Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever the case may be, wherever you're tuning in from, you're very welcome to Redfellas, Sunday night, Redfellas, at the slightly earlier time of 8pm, but I think it works, I think it works, I'm going to try it out and see if this works, uh, a lot of people get tired, you know, Sunday nights, people want to get to work on the Monday, maybe it suits Keith, you know, as well, you know, we have to bear in mind, you know, Keith, uh, is Keith there? Is he frozen? Is Keith there? Keith's frozen, isn't he? Oh my god! No, Keith's not frozen. already. Yeah, no. you are. You're frozen. You're frozen already. You look serious because oh. you've never looked this serious in your life. That's what I'm thinking. You're, you're, <laughs> no, how? You're serious. These late nights, uh, these early early starts help Keith. I'm not sure if they help Evan. Um, what are they like for you out in what time is it now? So four? No, two o'clock. Uh, it's uh, noon, Chris. Almost there. It's 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 eight hours, and and technically speaking, you know, this is the easiest time to do it. Twelve to eight, eight to twelve. You know, like least amount of mouth involved. It works. It works. And uh, Keith, maybe you want to come in and out because you're just frozen. Serious look there, man. It's scaring people. I've never seen you this serious in your life. <laughs> um, and of course, Conroy. Um, I think it suits me. I mean, like you know, it gets really dark up in Scotland very early as well. So, oh yeah, you know, you, you, you better know. believe it, mate. It's, uh, when it hits about four o'clock, it, it, it feels like it's twelve o'clock at night. So, I'm happy with the eight pm kickoff. Good for me. 
Good, 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 good. I hope it's good for everyone else. Let us know in the comments and chat. Actually, that'll be a good uh, ga yeah. gauge to see what, where we're at. If you if you like this new eight pm time, uh, yeah, you're back, sir. When Chris is gone, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he meant that. <laughs> so so what's up with the quality of the internet in the uk that's that's the common denominator here is it not you know check this out it, it, i could have blamed it on the wi-fi but i actually pressed the wrong button no today. i think it did. that was that was far, yeah. too, <laughs> that was far too quick that was far too quick uh, so i can't even blame the wi-fi like like keith man but i hope you're very well where were we? We were like, let us know if this 8 p.m. is nice because you got to remember, we tried to, we got a lot of international subscribers and people that tune in from all around the world. And sometimes they say, oh, the 10 p.m. is too late. It goes into, sometimes we go into two hour shows, 11 p.m. So we, we, we see how it goes. Sam the legend says, smash the like button as soon as you get into the chat. He's right, you know, he's right. Jamie says, you've got a like from me, Mr. Khan. I really, really appreciate that. Cop Army says, up the reds. Yeah, it's amazing. The Reds are back, people. The Reds are back. Losing. Games of football. <laughs> That's the only switch up at the end. But we will get oh, into wow. it. We will get into it. Um, Pixelate Pigeon, of course, channel member says, smash the likes button on your way in, people. Uh, yeah, man. We've got people ready, 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 ready. I like this time. Okay, no problem. People like this time. It's a way better time for me. Okay. I like it so far. So, so far, it's positive. That's good. Yeah, it's freezing, bro. It's freezing. Um, Ben's in the chat. Ben says, the Reds are back and so are the overreactive crybabies on Twitter. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. There may be some crybabies on the show today. You never know. You never know. Uh, hey, Nomadic, who's a channel member, says, up the blues. Like up, guys. Fair enough. Fair enough. Thank you very much for tuning in. But of course, this is Redfellas. And Redfellas is all about the red fellas in the hole but i must we're football people i must go around and ask your thoughts and views on the world cup and the latest i guess now that we know the semi-finals are semi-finals i guess i've got to come to the one that's probably felt it the most in the last 24 hours amongst us uh, probably the one who's hurt probably the most amongst us keith how are we uh, silly question. I'll start again. Um, how's your last 24 hours been? Well, if you're talking about crybabies, I'm the biggest baby in the internet right now because I've been bawling. It's been a tough 24 hours, Grace. I can't lie. It's been absolutely awful. I'm still slightly hungover. You know, I, we, we went into the game on yesterday thinking this is going to be once again, okay, look, England looked great. You know, I've been a big supporter of Gareth throughout this tournament. I thought we actually looked like this is the best we've ever looked like in a major tournament. We were giving it to teams. We were playing like expressive football. And I thought this is going to be, this is going to be the one. And then it was almost like the Champions League final. We had all these chances. We had all these situations. And you just felt that we were the better team. But... Two moments of absolute incredible quality destroyed us. And so, Grizz, I am really upset. I can't lie. This has killed me. I don't know how much longer I can go through with this. Every two years, I go through more and more pain. And this one hurt more than the Italy game because, uh, if some of you may not know, I'm actually um, Italian. I'm Italian citizen. So it was always a bittersweet when we lost some penalties in that one. 
but this one in particular, I thought I thought we had it. We had it in the bag, and um, and then <laughs> and then I go th- and I go onto LFC TV. I've finally put my membership to good damn use. I've been paying fifty quid a year to get this damn LFC membership, and then to watch that game as as well. It was just yeah, it's a terrible twenty four hours. Um, someone said in the chat. Conroy was probably celebrating last night. Conroy, can you clarify whether you were celebrating or what you were doing? To be honest, you know, it's, just, it's, it's one, like, it's a strange one. I, if you're from Scotland, there is, it's not necessarily Keith, get on really well with Keith, but there is, let's say, a certain, um, let's say, other clientele who, who kind of puts it on quite thick regarding the English thing. And we've had that at times where you don't want English to do well. And you know what? If you ask me, I would want France to win. That that's just that's you know, traditionally that's the way I'd feel towards it. It's a given. As a Scotsman, it's a given. Absolutely. But you know what? I've uh, I was hurting in the Euros um, when Scotland, you know, got put out. So I'm not going to give it to Keith anything like that. And and I will say this as well. I actually don't think it is one of those scenarios where you would give it because I think I've seen a lot on Twitter today, and I've got to be honest. I can look at this neutrally and just look at like how the team's doing. I'd say last night was out of all the times where England, you know, got to the semi-final against Croatia. I think had a reality check in that game when you're against the opposition um, of quality. The final against Italy, I think you're just against a better midfield. <laughs> I mean, you took the lead the first minute, and they got a goal for a scrappy goal. So again, it wasn't like England were cut open. I thought they improved in that game. You can maybe look at some of the decision making. Um, but then this time last night, I've got to be honest, you can say what you want, you can say six players are out for France, whatever, that that 11 is a top 11, and I would say, not the first half, but second half, I'd say England, would, I think you look at the chances, potentially outplayed them, so for me, Kane missing that penalty, I, don't, I couldn't see France coming back and winning that game after that last night, I think England would have went on to win, especially with the depth they had on their bench, Um so if you're taking it from someone who's Scottish, I'm going to be genuinely honest here. I think that was the first time I've watched England in this with Southgate, where I've actually went, hold on, this they could actually do something. But I agree is, with you. But this is what the English press is going to do. He'll be yeah. out of the job because some fans don't actually see that. So the best thing for other nations right now would be to sack Southgate. Personally, that's the way I feel because people keep chucking these names, right? And I get it, but for me... Hansi Flick and Luis Enrique, I know Chris, Luis Enrique wouldn't always agree with that, but they're regarded as, you know, two of the top. And look look at the Euro, the World Cup they had. So I would just make that point that that was the first time I was seriously worried about England was the way they played last night because they weren't scared. They weren't playing it safe, especially the second half. So that's why I think that miss by Kane was so vital because I think you go and win that game, not easily, but I, I think you got to remember Franti's goal to make it 2-1 was against the run of play as well. Saka mm. has a chance that no one's talking about Luke Shaw mm. played that ball across he's got to do better there so read the comment read the comment I've put this up for a reason <laughs> oh sorry 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 um we're going we're going on way too much about England sorry, I just, just wanted a quick overview I just yeah. wanted to make that point because I've seen a lot of hate today trying to move goalposts for Gareth Southgate it's I'm normal not it's normal come on Connor you're an experienced experienced member of the Twitterverse now this is normal don't yeah no I know I just, I, just, I, just, I just wanted to make that point you know what I do Keith has got my sympathy I wasn't running about daft I was a little bit relieved but I think being more relieved is how seriously I think England can be taken now that was my point we uh we won't be uh, a boy in the film says hopefully you all don't be talking about England too much we ain't so I'm not gonna ask Evan about England I'm gonna ask Evan about the standout 
team, the one that's captured a lot of hearts and emotions and minds. And I'm trying my best to rep them with this. With this, it's called a thobe, uh, thobe. from Morocco. Okay. Um, so I'm donning my best Morocco attire that I have. Unfortunately, I don't. Maybe you know, uh, I'll go again. I've been to Marrakesh, so I support Morocco now because I've been to Marrakesh and I love Moroccan food. So that's good enough for me. Just wanted to ask your view on. Just the, the way the semi-finals have panned out. No, you know, I'm not going to ask you about England per se, unless you want to speak about something tactically that you noticed outstanding or not. Just Morocco. What a story. Uh, yeah, quite the story. And I don't think um, any of us would have pointed to Morocco as the the one African nation we might have predicted to make a, a unexpected run. You know, uh, obviously Senegal pre-Sadio Mane injury would, would have been many people's first choice for an African nation that could make a deep run. Other people would have, you know, pointed elsewhere. Um, but, you know, it's it's an incredible it's an incredible story. And, and it's great. It's what the World Cup is all about. I, th- I think it's great for the game. Some people, there's been this anti-underdog agenda coming out of the woodworks recently mm-hmm. on the internet. I, I, I think it's great. I think it's great if you if you're better as a group and you're better as a collective, then you deserve to go far. So I'm absolutely going to be uh, lightly rooting for Morocco for the rest of the tournament. Absolutely, um, I've got told off already. Grizz Chillman, no need to be rude to Conroy. Um, he wasn't chilled. being rude. That, that's minor. That's that's not soz. That's not soz. Whoever said that isn't built for the draft. You, you I was going to say, people, you don't, know. Draft. people don't know the red fellas, man. This the rest, is rest, con- rest friendship on that draft when people yeah. will rest friendships to yeah. win that draft. Me and Conroy have had far far more heated exchanges oh, than yeah. that. That was just me being sarcastic. Yeah. Be sarc- <laughs> not rude. Actually, I could have been accused of being sarcastic, but I'm definitely not rude to Conroy. Oh, Conroy is my dog. You know what I mean? He's my dog. But uh, uh, people, I've nearly forgotten. How dare I forget? This is what happens when we start talking about World Cups and everything. Keith's face got me all like, I thought I have to, you know. But first, we must, we must, we must, we must shout out our channel sponsors, yourfutcard.com. For all things, your FIFA cards, for all things, your banners, for all things, your amazing prints. These are the people to go to. You go to their website, yourfutcard.com, and you can order any size, any shape, any any stats that you want, your name, your beautiful picture on it. These are the people. You can even get custom-made flags, get anything printed on. We can see blue is the color, blue, football is the game. That's a Chelsea one there. God knows where they got that slogan from we've got the west bromwich <laughs> albion the lord is my shepherd we've got the glazers out oh, hey we haven't seen that for a little while um and we've got a, a, our very own you'll never walk alone you can get any banner any custom made flag made any shape any size wonderful wonderful quality um if you still don't understand you go there you click on chat with us and ask them anything you want we'll track your order you tell them your image looks squished you know, blame the blame the picture for your butter's face. You can ask them <laughs> how long you can ask them how long a order will take. Anything you want, go to them. But I tell you what, a bit of a bonus. You type in red fillers and you get a 15% discount as well. You cannot go wrong with these people. Go check them out. Go help them. They help us. We help you. Everyone's a winner, baby, as they say. Um 
ladies and gentlemen, World Cup chat. We may continue next week. Oh, shit. The final's next Sunday, right? Yeah. Could be interesting. Just very quickly, call the final, and who's going to win it? Keith. Uh, final's going to be blah, 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 um, Argentina versus Morocco. Argentina is going to win the World Cup. Oh, Morocco to reach the final. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I do believe okay. it. Okay. Uh, Con? Do you know, I, I love Argentina, but I've got a bad feeling um, that it could be Croatia, France. Um, again? again? Oh, no. Again, again. You know what? Like, it's weird. Croatia have this amazing ability to just get through <laughs> knockout football. Like, honestly, and they're a good team as well. Like Because they can control the ball for big spells with that midfield, it's not like a low block for like 90 minutes. So they've got that. And also, the Morocco shout, the one thing I've got to say, Keith, is I was laughing. I said to Grizz, I think Portugal would take four off Morocco. But that stat going around, Morocco, the only goal they've conceded was a known goal. They've not actually conceded Ooh. a goal by an opposition player. And Hakimi against Mbappe is going to be interesting because the only person I would say who's got the pace to match Mbappe, apart from Walker, would you maybe agree Hakimi's up there with him? Uh, defensively, they he's train, not... They, they train with each other every single day. That's yeah, going to be problem, more fascinating. The problem with backing Morocco is, and I absolutely agree with everything you said there, the most... And it's not just everyone behind the ball and just dogging it out. They've been They've counter-attacks. They've been brilliantly structured. The only problem is I don't think they've got us. They've probably got one member of that back four fit yeah. and ready to play. That's mm. the problem. And that is Good huge. Point. And they've been amazing. Absolutely amazing as a, as a unit. Um, but Evan, what's your call for the final? I think we're going to see uh, a replay. I think it's going to be Croatia, France. Um, no Messi I, story. No, no Messi story. I just think, <sighs> I think as a collective, Croatia are just probably a lot better than Argentina. Um, it's not none of them have made a pretty run to the to the late stages of the tournament, but uh, you know it's just hard to bet against the Croatians with sort of their. Their, their proven track record in, in recent tournaments. So, okay, you, you, mentioned Croatia. You, you mentioned Croatia. Then I must ask, I must ask a very quick question for you guys all. I'm going to try mm. and make this because we, we're 20 minutes in. We haven't even mentioned the Liverpool, the Liverpool. But yeah. very quick question because it's very been topical on my. I've been doing World Cup carnage every day, near enough, give or take two, three days here and there. But um, a, a prominent question amongst the chat and everyone has been Luka Modric. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Top five easily midfielders. No, no, no question, no question. No, no question. Absolutely. Top five midfielders. Now I know you're gonna start asking questions. Is the Dan a midfielder? But to class it how you want. I don't know. Top five midfielders. Now midfielders are midfielders who predominantly play in and around the middle of the field. That's all I'm gonna say to you. Like, do you know what you know what I think it is about Modric? Why I believe he deserves to be in this in this for all, all his qualities. We've seen many mm-hmm. quality midfielders. We've seen many successful midfielders. Mm-hmm. But one thing about the midfielders is a lot of midfielders get pick up a lot of injuries. They are it's the hardest job to do on the park. It's probably the most injury prone position. And for the fact that that man is still playing at the highest level, week in week out. At his age, captain of Croatia, keeps himself in great fitness. Bearing in mind, he's a pretty slight man himself. He's quite, you know, he's quite a slim man. You know, you argue that he's the type of guy that would potentially pick up a lot of injuries. 
I my number one belief is availability is the best ability. And the fact that that man is available for all the big moments mm-hmm. and then goes on to win X, Y, and Z, for me is why I would back that Modric. Should he be, even if he doesn't take Croatia to the final at this stage, he has to be there because doing it for international, doing it for club level, even doing it for Tottenham Hotspurs. You know what I mean? I've never seen a player quite like him. Obviously, what happens now is people start putting their top fives in the chat. Zidane, Modric, Iniesta, Xavi, Gerard. Then we have uh, Modric, Zidane, Iniesta, Xavi. Um, So, Keith, you've got him in your top five of all time. Conroy said absolutely. You said 100%. Evan? (sighs) Which suggests... It's Ye- not as clear-cut Ye- as these guys Ye- are Yes, out. yes, he is. Yes, he is. Oh, wow. Through a full house. Yeah, yeah, no, he, he wow. is. I mean, just to echo what Keith said, the, the longevity and what he's been able to achieve just nonstop for the past 10 or so years. Keeping in mind, he got his, – his big move to Madrid came at 27. He didn't go mm. to Madrid at 22. He went there at 27, right in the middle of his supposed prime, which you all know has just gone on and on and on and on. Uh, what he's been achieved, probably the most important player in their Champions League three-peat. He's, he's, just, he's just an incredible talent. And, uh, yeah, my, my cat seems to agree. That's why she came over here. It's all about the cat. If the cat says it, I'm telling you. <laughs> can, I just, can I just add one point to that? I think they both summed it up. But I've got seeing the top five, most people's top five, arguably, was Zidane, if we're counting him as a midfielder, um, Xavi and Esther, say Gerard, um, and Modric. There's only one of those players who's from a small nation, right? Mm. So I think to do it from being for, for a Croatian is, I don't care what you say, geographically, that's got to have impact. That is more impressive. It is more impressive. Croatia getting to a World Cup final is the equivalent to winning it for a France, for a for a, a Spain. I don't care. It is for me. It is because to do that is far more impressive. And there's a reason that through his story and what he's done, it's not even a question. Like literally, is he shouldn't be there. Like there's too many factors that have stopped him getting there, and he's still proving it. He was voted Real Madrid's worst signing when he first signed. People forget that as well. He's now won five Champions Leagues. If you put this so in disrespectful. Other- He's he he he's Real Madrid's. He's arguably Real Madrid's best ever midfielder. I know. Real Madrid being he's arguably Real Madrid's best ever midfielder, and he was voted their worst signing of the 21st century. Or it would whatever. surprise just, me if it wasn't any other fan base. I honest, thought, mate. you know what? I'm I'm not genuinely. I'm slightly surprised. I thought we could do a show on this because it's quite the debate. Like, I I recently done. Uh, another debate on another platform for top six sort of all, all positions and you know what this is a fantastic debate but you guys are unanimous I'm very oh yeah I'm slightly surprised because yeah, but yeah, name another Croatian who's played for a small oh, nation who's get, no got, even got into that Goran, no Goran you talk about Goran Pandev if you know what I mean like and people have a laugh but for him to even be like you know win the Champions League with Inter being from um, Macedonia like in my mind, geographically, people say this all the time, oh, you need to win a World Cup. What if, what if you're born in Norway, like Haaland? Mm. Is that the same parameter mm. measure of that? So Sam I think says, it's more impressive, more impressive. Sam says Madrid fans are spoilt pieces of dog turd. They don't respect many of their players. Um, that's pretty much sums it up kind of thing. But guys, people in the chat asking all sorts of questions and 
um, saying any truth to this and any truth to that. We will try to cover as many topics and subjects that range from takeover news, that range from injury news, transfer news, Liverpool news. We need to speak about Liverpool. It's time we spoke mm-hmm. about Liverpool. And uh, what do you want to call it? Pre-season starts? I don't know. What, what is this? Well, I don't know. However you want to call it, it starts again. Um, and we played Leon in lovely Dubai settings. Keith, this was the starting lineup. Um, seven players obviously still do out due to the World Cup, while others, including Diaz and Diogo Jota, we will touch upon Diaz in a minute, um, still injured. Kelleher started in goal. In front of him, James Milner started. Joel Matip and Joel Gomez were the pair. And then Bacetic, Stefan Bacetic started in midfield along with Thiago Elliott, Cavallo, Firmino and Salah up front. Was you excited <laughs> to see the Reds again? I was, I was more, uh, as I said, after last night, it was a bit like, oh, fucking hell, man. Do you know what? I think I'm going to go get, get on a plane and go to Thailand. I'm going to do that next week. And just like, just forget about football for a while. But then uh, as, and as, as it built up. If you don't mind, I, me, as, asking, if you don't mind uh, me asking, and do what? And do what? I'm sipping a pina colada <laughs> on the beach. <laughs> sip a pina colada on the beach. Okay. Do some, take, take, take. <laughs> okay. Take, take, take. Try some Muay Thai, you know, take out my football frustration because it's been a horrible ever since we won the FA Cup. Since that moment, that was the pinnacle of football. Ever since then, it's been downhill. No, I'm joking. Look, it was really nice to see the Reds again. It was really, um, uh, it was it was refreshing to see the Reds again. I think more than anything, and um, I was really intrigued to see because you're right, it wasn't a preseason, right? So it wasn't a situation where. Um, you know the first game of preseason where it's kind of like ridiculously slow and, and, and ponderous and everyone's just trying to feel their way back and they've just started the warm weather camp. This wasn't I wasn't I was really interested to see what we would get because they've not had a break for that long. They've mm. just had started an intense season. So what I expected this game to actually be quite an intense start because I felt like it it must have been weird, but I almost felt like they almost had to kind of like switch on the button. There had to be as if it was the, uh, you know, when you get to the last week of preseason, they had to play like that, in my opinion. It wasn't a case of you can't fill yourself in because before you know it, I believe we've got Manchester City week Four after days. next. Mm. In 12 days, there's no time to find yourself. So I was really intrigued to see if we would start as 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 if we would just play the Premier League game the night before. Obviously, there would have been a bit of rustiness, but... Um, I felt we saw that, by the way, for the first five minutes. I thought that was kind of like the Liverpool that that would probably start a game in the Premier League, as opposed to how a Liverpool would normally start a preseason game. So, really intriguing, different type, different type of um, different type of expectations yeah. going into this one, as opposed to normal. No, I agree with you. Um, I agree with you. It was, it was a weird, like, sort of feeling, like. Yeah, normally we see 45 minutes, if that, or half an hour of each team. Um, and it's slow and it's sort of gradually working your way into it. Conroy, I, I totally agree with Keith. I thought it was a stunning start. Um, I thought the pressing and the gegen press, and it leads to the goal within, what was it, a couple of minutes or something? Yeah, literally. Um, and then we should have, obviously, we get the penalty. I thought everyone to a man looked sharp, fit, aggressive. Everything was there and I thought... It doesn't matter who you play, you just get carried away. 
That's what fans do. That's what we're, we, we are fans. We're humans. We have emotions. And when we see our beloved team out on a football pitch, kicking a football and kicking it really well to each other, running really fast and aggressively, we, we, we get excited. But that excitement, how long did it last for you? Because I generally thought, Oi, this is really good because some of the moves we put off and our crisp one-touch passing, like Keith says, it didn't feel like a preseason, if you know what I mean. I thought we've utilised this break really well. No, absolutely. I think, as you say, started really well, looked sharp. Um, the pressing leads to Carvalho with the, the tapping, or, you know, it's a good finish still, but you expect them to score there. And then just following that as well, Grizz, I think you, you, you tweeted about the move that led to winning the penalty as well. Oh. Really good first touch pass and it's a really clever ball. I actually forget if it's Thiago who plays the ball through, if you can correct me guys, to Firmino and he gets his legs taken, penalty. And you know what, if we score that, you know, we're, we're flying. But if you're going to miss a penalty, I'd rather you do it in a friendly, to be honest, than, than anything else. But the keeper saves that. But it did, it looked really sharp, to be honest. I'd say the first maybe what, 20, 25 minutes, maybe even just the 20 minutes. It looked good, Grizz, because it depends your point of view. My perspective going into these games is <laughs> utilise it, get the fitness in the legs and get us prepared so when the Premier League comes back on a Man City game, we can we can crack on and, you know, look slightly rejuvenated and ready to go, go on for the second half of the season. So for that start, you know, I was I was I was quite impressed. But I know I'll let the other guys talk about what happens. But overall, I think it was a it was a promising start to the game. It was a promising start, I'm not gonna lie. Even though it was a training session, essentially, right, uh, Evan? It was a training session, but it was it was it was one of those training sessions that you enjoy watching because mm-hmm. of the intensity. You don't like watching training sessions where everyone's doing a kick up here, flick here, and uh, strolling around. This is a training session. <coughs> I'm going to use that word again, intensity. And it was identity. And I identified being a Liverpool fan and this being a Liverpool team. With that personnel, did you expect it? Because that pretty much, I mean, I, I, I pretty much sort of tweeted, how far is this going to be from our um, Man City team? Um, what do you think, guys? For example, Man City in 12 days' time, we're assuming... We're assuming Nunes is added to this. And we're assuming Fabinho and Trent. Am I right? What do you think? I think I think we're looking at a maximum of four changes uh, mm-hmm. based just on this team. You know, you could see Trent coming in, you could see Fabinho coming in. <sighs> Allison, maybe. I mean, again, less work. Kelleher plays all the league games, right? Killer who plays the league game, so the league cup oh, games. That's, I'm that's, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did not uh, consider that, but yeah, I think we're looking at a maximum of three or four. I would not be completely losing my head if this team started a Premier League game. It would be indicative of a, of a side missing a few key players, but yeah, three to four changes maximum. And um, I, I'm I'm really excited with the faith that they're showing in Bacetic. Um, sort of the the jewel him and him and Ben Doak of bit and I, and I try to say this fairly a bit of an uninspiring crop of academy players in, in my personal opinion I hope they prove me wrong but um, him getting the start especially in a Liverpool midfield that asks so much of that number six holding role as we all know too well um, that's that's promising signs for me and um, you know 
and as as I'm sure we'll get into, you know, seeing Fabio uh, um, on the left wing, I'm sure that won't be the last time we see that in the in the next few months or so. We take the lead, as I said, in the early early stages. Literally, you know, we just press the life out of them. They don't know what's hit them. We then get a penalty. Mohamed Salah has got this. I don't know, Keith. I still don't feel comfortable. I know we've discussed this to death. When he when he steps up for a penalty, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I, it's either, I think it's a lot down to luck if he scores or not. That's just my humble opinion, honestly. Look, 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 him and Harry Kane, they, they really need to both have a sit down and a conversation of the future of their penalties because they are very similar in terms of they go for this kind of like strike the board hard and when they score it, it looks great, right? Top bins, power, like keeper's never going to save it in a million years. But who do you feel more comfortable with? The technique of a Mo Salah or a Harry Kane or the technique of a James Milner? Because I feel like I, I feel like their, their technique is more I'm aware it, it doesn't matter if the keeper knows it's gonna go this way, because I've hit it at such as technique, it's gonna go past you whether you dive the right way or not. Well, I feel like with James someone like a James Milner, it's more of a case of I'm going to outfox you and put it where you're, you know what I mean, on the other side of where you're going to go. So it's kind of like at that kind of situation. So when they do hit it hard, if they don't get it low enough or in Harry Kane's, if they can't hit the target, then it looks absolutely terrible. And I have to agree. I think I, I do question a little bit. I get it. Mo Salah is a striker. He wants to score the goals. He's the main man. We, I get all of that. But I do question when you have James Milner on the pitch, whether Mo Salah should be taking the penalty because I don't think he's our best penalty taker at Liverpool. That is my personal opinion. I don't think so. I think James Milner, if he's on the pitch, he is our best best, best penalty taker in, in, in that situation. He's much more calmer, much more collective. Um, and, and he doesn't try and do the whole like, you know, I'm going to hit it hard. I'm going to go for I'm gonna go for that kind of technique. I'm not a fan of that penalty style. I wish Harry Kane didn't do that yesterday as well because I knew that was going to be the same situation. So, yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with you on that and, and that might ruffle a few feathers because you could argue that most Salah scored plenty of penalties. So what the hell are you talking about, Keith? You know what I mean? But he has missed a few as well and, and it is, I believe it's just the way he approaches them. I don't necessarily think that should be the way you should approach penalties when you are the penalty taker. You either do, you either have variety in, in some sense, and, and in some sense, you kind of need to be a bit more cool, calm and collected, not every time going for a, a hammer blow. <laughs> I think, I think yeah, he has, he's definitely improved it over the last, sorry, Grace, I think he's, he's definitely improved it because he, he, I used to be like, go go for him for like, uh, crucify some of his penalties, I seen they were all lucky. I do think after he used to score a few, he's, he's kind of curled a few, whipped a few high, high in the corners. So I do think at times he's changed it, but I feel like, I don't think that is a debate. I think most people would say James Milner's the best penalty kick taker in that team. But I think because Mo Salah had scored, like, let's say he's always on the park and he scores, like, most... He gets He's on the park and he get a penalty, whereas James Milner's not always on the park. I think it's just been unanimous that he's the first penalty kick taker because of those circumstances. But would you guys not agree? Do you not think James Milner? I don't think that's... A... I, don't think, I don't think it's a wild take at all. I, I was actually nodding in agreement with Keith. Um, I thought you might disagree because I know you've become sort of accustomed to Salah scoring, even though despite our fears. Remember, we've had a couple of discussions like we we get worried, but he still scores them. No, no, but I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, Milner yeah. is for sure the best penalty taker. He, he, Milner's statistical, I, I think. So I was speaking about this last night and it's like, um, 
So say last night you're Harry Kane in that second penalty, it's the 78th minute and you're Hugo Lloris. Don't think about yourself, think about your keeper. Is there any keeper in the world, 99% of keepers are not going to stay in their line with 10 minutes to go because if they do and it goes in the corners, they look like an idiot, it's a quarter final. So so say if you had like a James Milner, he would. there's players who've looked at that and they'll hit it high or slightly high in the middle because they know... That statistically, keeper has to commit. Because for his own, his own, um, what's the word? Fear of embarrassment. I know that's probably not. The, you know what I mean? Statistically, yeah. he's thinking, if I stand here, I'm going to look like an idiot. You know. So, I know it sounds weird, but I think Milner is like very good at mind games with penalties as well. So, like, I think the Leicester when we won the league, it's one 0 at a time. It's at the the King Power, and Schmeichel's like talking to him, and he just lifts it down the middle. It literally just scoops the ball, and I just think. Yeah, but you've just got some people who are just amazing. The one thing I don't get, though, and I, w- I wanted to say this to you guys, see if I am a Kane. I think Kane's brilliant at penalties with that technique. But see if you're that good at that technique. I always wonder, why don't you just hit it down the middle like and mix up? Because like the, the keepers who are going to study you, it'd be a very, very brave keeper to say, I'm going to stand here. And that's why I thought if you watch the Morocco-Spain penalty shootout, ZX takes the first penalty after it. Um after I think Sarabia misses and he just hits it straight down the middle, like no, and it works. So I've always I've always wondered why more players don't do that, but that's just me. My, um, we missed the penalty. We missed a fair few other chances or close to to sort of creating an opportunity. And then Leon out of nowhere play a ball through, and there's a mix up between Kelleher, probably the second best second keeper in the Premier League has a bit of a howler along with Robbo, which results in lack of threat until up until then, turning into Lacazette and tapping into uh, uh, an, em- an empty goal. Uh, Evan, who was to blame? Just a bit of miscommunication, nothing too deep, right? Generally, generally, I think when it's, it's a question of uh, a defender in the back four and the keeper who's responsible for this situation. Generally speaking, I think it's on the keeper to take command of the situation because the keeper can see more of the pitch than the defender when the when the ball goes in behind when there, when there's just a mix up. Um, so I'm I'm gonna place the blame on on uh, on Kelleher's shoulders. Um, just could be a lack of sharpness. Just could be one of those things. We see it happen with higher. It could be boredom at that stage. It could. It could be boredom. You know, being Liverpool's keeper can at times be a boring job. We know this, but generally speaking, the the keeper from from where from where he's positioned in these situations. Generally speaking, he can see much more of the pitch. He can take in much more information, and he has to be the one to be vocal and make the decision and be assertive. So even if it's the wrong decision, you know, you just have to take command. Generally, we see things like that fall apart when the two players involved, the the defender and the goalkeeper, neither of them fully commit to a decision. And and then things sort of just fall apart from there. I'm going to say that one's on Kelleher's shoulders, though, generally speaking. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think the majority of the chat agree with you. Um, It kind of sets us back. And then also what sets us back is the, the, the substitution around that period or around the 30 minute mark of Harvey Elliott. Keith, I'll come to you. I thought Harvey Elliott for me looked the ship, the, the um, um, fastest, the fittest, the sharpest on the whole pitch 
all 22 players that I was observing, to me, Harvey Elliott really looked lean, mean, machine. I was really enjoying his performance. Yeah, a couple of passes, he could have played it simpler, whatever, but that's Harvey Elliott for you. And then he gets injured and I think to myself, is this the Liverpool curse? Are we unlucky? Luckily, fortunately, Jurgen Klopp afterwards has said that it's not too serious and we got a life. But this guy, you can tell, he kind of looked at that World Cup. I've got a feeling he must have been looking at that World Cup and thinking, I need to, I need to be here next time there's a World Cup taking place. I need to be here. I think this guy is really, really improving at a rate of knots. That's just me personally. <clears throat> Best player on the pitch. And actually, when he went off, the whole game changed. This is this is my opinion. I feel like he was central to the, a, a lot of the pressing. Um, uh, in particular, I thought when, when we were on the ball, his link-up play with Mo Salah, it allowed Mo Salah to go through and be more 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 central, which which I was which I which I found quite interesting. Obviously, this kind of you know Salah had times where he was like in the center, like you know playing playing almost like passes and and, and being creative. And I feel like Harvey Elliott and the way he was taking up that position in the Henderson type eight position is um, was allowing him to do that. Um, you got to think you're Harvey Elliott, right? You were you were the protege that got almost you know at the same time as Jude Bellingham, right? You were both. You both got those big moves at such a young age. You know, you can't tell me he wasn't sitting there and thinking to himself, that should have, I should be there as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, I've been playing football at the highest level in the Champions League. I've been doing just what Jude's been doing, really. Like, you know, how how, how can, you know, he was part of the same team. I believe, I may, tell me if I'm wrong, because I may be wrong, I usually am. Um, but I feel like he was part of the Phil Foden guy, that, that, that <laughs> under 17 team. That I'm came not up. sure. If someone can make the one after me in the chat, yeah, I'm not sure, but but I know he's he in and around that group yeah. of players, yeah. So so you know for, for for him, I think he's got a great opportunity right now if, if he wants to take his England career seriously because I can't see Jordan Henderson making it to the next World Cup, right? I think Jordan Henderson, even though which he's had probably in terms of a player, if there's ever been a player that's been so um, uh, uh, brought down by not only like our own fans at times, but definitely rival fans. I remember Barstool Sports putting out that tweet earlier on in the competition when he they were like they allowed this player to play because he made all these overhit passes against Croatia. For a player, for him to do what he did at the World Cup to kind of step up, he's actually probably come out with more credit in the bank than he's ever had in his life. And now Harvey Elliott has the opportunity to take that position that Jordan Henderson covers for England because it's, it's England are looking for that that type of player, right? Particularly in games where Carl Walker or Reese James or whoever it is has to stay more deep. So there is a position that's tailor-made for Harvey Elliott. He sees it. He knows it. It's available not just for Liverpool, but it's available for England as well. And that, for me, means that he played this game with the same intensity as if it was a Premier League match. And actually... In the end, it may have been there's a slight detriment with the little niggle, obviously picking it up as he's not played intense football like that before. But I can see why he did it because at the end of the day, I, you know, it, it, he's going to go in. I hope he's going to take this going into the second half of the season and say, Do you know what? You know, Jude ain't the guy. I'm the guy. And I'm going to show you all why I'm the guy. And, and hopefully, Jude can come and join and they can both be the guy together. Before people nice. start, before before I'm going to be um, Keith's Witness Protection Act, before people start saying Keith's going and comparing 
the two players. No, he's not. He's just giving an insight and psyche into how Elliot will be thinking. So, you know, Keith, I've got mm. you. Mm. I've got you, bro. I've got you. You know I always <laughs> got you. You always got you know, me. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know how, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know how some people operate. And so they're going to come mm. for you. Trust me in it. So I've got you, bro. Keith is giving an insight into the mentality of a young player or what he should have. And I believe Elliot has got that mentality in him. And fair play to him. Fair play to him. Um, I wish, you know, everyone had that kind of mentality. Um, Conroy, Bobby's touch looked good. Really enjoyed that. Mo, Mo looked sharp. I thought the penalty deflated him a little bit again. But he looked sharp overall. Overall, in that first half, up until they scored, we really looked sharp. Matip looked like he's never been away. Joe Gomez... Joe Gomez, a couple of times, lost the ball, ran out with the ball. Should I just relax a little bit and just let let him find his rhythm and let him play? Because he's actually one of the defenders that played the most minutes, which suggests to me, even Jurgen Klopp knows that he needs minutes. He needs to play. Mm -hmm. He needs to play. Because everyone else got substituted around him quite early. He didn't. But he didn't impress me again. Yeah, yeah, I think with these ones, guys, I think it's for me in my notes. I've, I thought played okay, played played decent. You know, maybe what a six out of ten. Nothing, nothing major. Nothing like oh, you'd you'd say oh that was embarrassing or you know terrible. But as you say, nothing impressive uh, to the extent we talk about Elliot or um, some of the other players today. But I think it's okay. I think you know the reason he's played the most minutes as well. Is I think you've seen with Gomez, especially in the last year or so that it can be so up and down. You know, man of the match against Manchester City, then you had the Napoli performances, you had the performances, I actually forget the games recently as well, where we've done the, the, the Redfellas podcast and we've been, you know, saying it's just not good enough. So I think for me, you'll probably see a lot of Joe throughout these little, what you want to call them, mid-season games to get us prepped. And I think it is just that, because he's just trying to get, one, his confidence, fitness possibly as well, but I think just try to get more game time in him. Um, we all can't be like Joe Matip, where you just like you're that used to maybe having injuries over the last couple he's, of years. He's crazy. He's crazy. He's cra- we haven't seen him. We haven't seen him for years, right? Yeah. It seems like since the and Arsenal know, game. No, but I know it was only a friendly, but it was still lack of threat and um, Dembele up front, who are, who are not who are not completely washed. Like he still had some form of players. Uh, of, of reputation among, yeah. and he was playing like sort of he's not been away whereas Gomez who should be as sharp if not sharper just maybe it's in my head and maybe I should just back off a little maybe bit maybe it's in his head as well though Chris maybe, maybe it's inside his head as well he's yeah. been up and down this season so maybe it's that I, I think as you said though it's probably not a coincidence that he's he's been on the park for the longest as well you know, so we'll see. Hopefully, it's a strange one, guys. Like there can't be many cases of Joe Gomez where you've got a Premier League, you know, winning centre back partnership. It probably still in his prime or getting close to that age where you're like, you can go from one extreme to the other. It's like that's. I'm sure there is examples, but it's quite a what's the word? A unique. It's a unique situation for me when we talk about Joe Gomez, anyway. So hopefully, mm-hmm. he can get back to that form. Um. We're not going to dwell too much on the second half, Evan. Um, A, because we got the shit kicked out of us. And B, it was a whole heap of changes with a lot of kids coming on. Uh, The only notable players that I want to touch on, maybe, possibly, without 
because if we go into the kids, then there's going to be a whole debate about the academy and the kids and whatever. It is what it is. Um, but I want to speak about some of the, the notable returning players. Uh, Ox, Naby Keita. Uh, who else was there? Was there anyone else? Calvin Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Um, these three players I wanted to just to, to touch upon and see where you are with them right now. I know we've been fluctuating in terms of where we're at with them throughout the periods of the season and summer and everything. Where are we at now? January's coming. Um, not so much Calvin Ramsey with the January shout, but the but the Ox and Nabi. Uh, where are you at with them? As far as I'm con- as far as I'm concerned, uh, they don't play for Liverpool Football Club. They're they're non-factors. You can't go into a season. Uh, thinking of them as viable options. Um, and that hasn't changed in about three to f- four years. We, we've been doing this with them pretty much uh, every season. Um, when, when I draw up depth charts, and I've said this on this show before, when I draw up depth charts at the start of the season to see where I think we're strong and or weak, uh, I don't write down their names because I, I cannot think of them as squad options. It's, it's, it's malpractice. So if it's malpractice for me to do it, then it's malpractice for uh, Jurgen and Co. to do it. And it's been the one big disagreement I've had with Jurgen Klopp's managing of the squad is uh, keeping around uh, players that are on high wages and cannot be counted upon to be the best versions of themselves or be there when we need them to be. So that's cool that they're, that they're, that they're back and they play. And I would love nothing more for them to prove me wrong and make a notable difference in the second half of our season. Um, but as things stand, um, I'm wishing them the best next summer as they find uh, new clubs. I, I'm, I'm of that opinion. Um, Keith and Conroy, are you of any other opinion? If you are, please feel free to speak up. Um, I think Ox can be useful in the next couple of months, uh, especially, and we'll get into it, we'll segue into it after this segment, um, especially with the injury situation to a couple of the forwards, possibly. Keita, to me, um, I, what do you think? I don't know. Maybe my body language is giving it away. So I believe in the, uh, there's, the in, there's physical injuries, and I feel like there's, is the injuries like that your mind can can add to situations. And when it comes to Naby Keita, the mind is no longer with Liverpool. The same with Oxley Chamberlain. I, I do not believe for one second, like you, yeah, maybe it can be revealed in a book someday that Keita picked up some nasty injury at the start of the summer, which has meant we've not seen him show up at all. But it, for me, it just seems to be a case of, are, is your head in it anymore, really, with this team? Or is or, or have you got one foot out? And is it like a little niggle here? Are you protecting yourself for future endeavours when it comes to Naby Keita? Because uh, to Evan's point, we've like danced around this topic a hundred times. I've been on Twitter debating this as well in terms of when people said, Klopp, he's uh, too loyal at times. I said, no, you know, Klopp has shown ruthlessness at, at times. And, you know, Klopp is a ruthless coach. But Klopp has... Um, it, it, heart has ruled head when it comes to Cater and, and, and Oxley Chamberlain. It can it cannot be denied. You know, you and, and the worst thing is, it's it, particularly with Ox, the decisions you've made, Jurgen Klopp on Oxley Chamberlain in particular, suggest to me that you don't even back yourself in this in this debate anymore. Because there's been plenty of times where you could have played him 
but you play James Milner in the midfield, for example. There's plenty of times you could have played him on the wide forward positions, but you've played Fabio Carvalho in these in these situations or Harvey Elliott in these situations. So if you're a player earning that kind of money on that type of wages, looking at, again, I don't want to, you know, Ox is, again, maybe another player whose head is not in it anymore, but he doesn't even look that in shape, as, as good, good in shape anymore. To be perfectly honest with you, I looked at him when he came back and I thought, wow, man, someone's enjoyed the, someone enjoyed the time off. You know uh, the the way he came back physically. So yeah, I, I, for me, it's it's a it's a non conversation anymore between these two players. You know, thank you very much for your services, but this club absolutely cannot be using depth charts like like Evan said, and including them in these positions because they're not going to be in those positions when the time is needed. And we've really sacrificed this season because of the fact that we've got two players on big wages and big positions that Jurgen Klopp cannot justify signing more players on top of those players he already has because ultimately you're just going to be stockpiling players at that point on big money. So you, we've beaten ourselves into this corner for as much as we can. Uh, you know, I've said, uh, you know, maybe they might be proved me wrong. There is, look, if they if Nebuchadnezzar comes out the second half of the season like a new signing, then I'm more than happy to eat my words. But I've been waiting to eat my words for several uh, um, uh, Red Fellas uh, shows over the past you know year we've been doing this and I've yet to be really eating my words so you know I don't like it I really don't like having this attitude I like to be positive and back the players and stuff like that but for me I don't feel like the players are backing themselves and I don't feel like they see their long term future at Liverpool Football Club it shows in the performance it shows in their physical um, uh, their, their physical nature um, in terms of what they're bringing to the club their availability all these kind of things. You look at a player like Luka Modric, who we were just talking about earlier on, right? 10 years, right? He's never burnt out, right? He, he's never, you know, he comes, he shows up year in, year out. He might pick up niggles, he might pick up knots, but he comes back and he shows up. Abby K is younger than him and he's never shown up, really. He's never really shown up on a consistent level. And and for this reason here, you know, forget summer, January, there needs to be big decisions made in this club in January because those two players are holding up positions now and it's becoming a real impact on, on, on our squad. Um, Pixelated Pigeon says, both Ox and Naby will leave on a free. Depressing. I think that's what... What hurts you more, Conroy? The fact that they're leaving on a free? The fact that they're leaving? the fact, Or the fact that they haven't fulfilled their potential? Which part of it hurts you or gets you angry or depresses you the, the, the most? Do you know what? It's probably because he, because there's two players as well. I think if there's one player you can you can maybe live with it, you can understand. We've had so many successful signings that you can maybe, do you know what? We can take that one. There's there's maybe one in the, the full transfers we've had. But I think it's, it is just disappointing. I feel like, I mean, realistically, I think that comment by Pixelated Pigeons, spot on, they probably will both go. Um, I can't see anyone coming in January. I don't know if you guys disagree. I can't see us getting any money. So I think even as a... Would you would you pay anything for either of them in January? Let's think about it from an, another club's I think there may be a German no. club for, for Keita. That's the only thing I'd say potentially. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying potentially there, there could be because he's obviously still got reasonably okay... Why would they, Conroy? Why would they? Well, because he'd he, he done well in Germany, didn't he? Yeah, but he, he's free in three months' time, four months' time. Yeah, yeah no, that's, that's true. I mean... The, the, what I was thinking maybe in the summer is if we'd sold one one of them then 
we may just get a little bit of money in for, I, I say, like, I, was, I was going to say kitty, but Evan won't, won't know what that means. But, you know, just for our transfer budget, add to that, give us some more money um, in there. But I think as soon as the, the decision was made to keep them, as, as Keith said, for the season, um, I think you, you're all, the writing was on the wall. So I think that's a very good point. I think I'm clutching at straws that we would get anything. I was just looking at on the basis of, in previous years, there has been a few surprise signings where teams have maybe wanted a certain player quicker, so and they're, they're getting a they're running out of contract in the summer, so they maybe put 10, 15 million pounds on the table. But you're quite right to say that, Chris. With someone with Naby Keita, it's not even like his attitude has been like uh, magnificent because uh, in the last six months, you've seen there's been quite a few rumored disagreements or you know stuff with agents. So I think that's a good point. I think Ox. I think Ox will end up signing for someone like a Southampton, a West Ham, and next summer on a free. Um, but yeah, it, I think it's just disappointing because you've had these guys, you've put, they've been here for a long time, and just to go on a free, it's... It, 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 for me, overall, it's more disappointing that they've not hit the potential. I, I'd say mm. Ox, I, I do feel more sorry for Ox, and maybe, that, maybe that's unfair. To be honest, maybe it's because um, I just generally have liked him more. That like I've seen what he's done in, in um, for us in big moments, i.e., like Man City, Premier League, Man City in the Champions League, and then he got that injury against Roma. So I don't know if just because I've physically seen that that I'm, I feel more sorry for Ox. And then obviously Naby was signed to be the game changer, this dynamic midfielder, and it's just not worked out. I think that's 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 the most annoying thing. At least with Ox, you know, I can I can hold my hat in certain moments. And I feel like he's enjoyed the ride at parts, whereas I don't know if Naby. Maybe there is moments because you know the Porto, uh, the quarterfinal go against Porto, like he, 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 the Atletico Madrid away. So he has had some moments, but I think overall it's just that. Um, if you ever watched the movie Bronx Tale with Robert De Niro, uh, the mm. worst thing in the world was it wasted talent. Maybe that refers to both their careers at Liverpool. And can I just say something real quickly? Because someone said this in the chat that they've not necessarily been flops. I think, Conroy, you just hit the point on the head. It's not about being flops at this stage. It's not about getting your money's worth at this stage because they have contributed at certain points of, of, of our tenure under the end club. It is down to they did not live up to the potential that we, that we as fans and pundits and everybody else positioned them. They did not live up to that potential. And that, for me, is the most disappointing thing because where they could have gone and where they ended up is 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 quite sad for me. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna be the first one to hold my hand up. Two seasons ago at the start of the season, I was so adamant, confident, cocky, some may call me as they do. Um I labeled these two wait for it guys. I labeled these two as our X factors going into mm. the season. I was so wrong. I was so wrong. And the reason why I said X factors is because I looked at the, 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 the attributes and the talent between them. And I thought to myself, they've got between them pretty much everything a Liverpool and a Jurgen Klopp ate once. So if you combine the attributes of a Naby Keita, his calmness on the ball, his close control, his vision, his short passing, the dynamism of uh, Ox and his shooting range and his runs and his pace and his power... I called them the X, our X factors, and I was so confident. Two seasons ago, I done this. Wow, they've not only let Liverpool and not Liverpool down. I guess the, I guess the injury situations, their bodies, their physical capabilities haven't been up to it. So I get it, I get it. But 
yeah, disappointed, frustration, sadness as well, because they, they, by all accounts, they're a good set of lads. Do you know what I mean? And that's always hurts when, when you get a good set of lads, not just fulfilling their potential. Um, yeah, the frustration doesn't end there, Evan, because um, Oosh, yes. after the game, uh, so the game peters out. Not peters out, they smash us to smithereens, basically. Um, and who cares? It's a training session. I know we praise them when they're playing well, but when they lose, it's a training session, right? But anyway. <laughs> exhibition. Exhibition. <laughs> exhibition. Um, having initially returned to training when Liverpool first arrived, Luis Diaz, fresh in Liverpool, is described as a proper smash in the face by Jürgen Klopp. Um, many were pleased that mid-season, you know, it would mean that Diaz would only miss a handful of games. But now reports suggest he's out for three months, which suggests which apparently, if it's so, he misses around 17 games. Um, what a blow, Evan. What a blow. Added to mm -hmm. the fact that Curtis Jones seems to be having issues. Um, Harvey Elliott's fine. And then Diogo Jota seems to be a couple of months away at least. Um, the disappointment of Diaz and Jota and Jones, to a lesser extent, surely means, and I want to open this conversation up, surely asks the question now, what do we do in January? Because we were all to a man, woman, cat, dog, tortoise, <laughs> agreed that a midfielder was going to come in, was needed to come in. There would be riots if there's not a midfielder coming in January. Does this muddy the waters? Does this confuse us? Does this, the, the obviously segues into the ownership situation. Where's your head at, bro? Let me ask the rest of you, Red Fellas, a question. And I'm going to open this question up to the chat as well. Let me know in the chat. What's, as a Liverpool fan, what's more disappointing? The fact that Luis Diaz has gotten this significant injury setback and he's going to miss even more time. Or is it more concerning and worrying to you that given Liverpool's track record, you have little faith that we will address this proactively and assertively and quickly. Because for me, we've been here before with significant mm -hmm. injuries at inconvenient times, and we have the transfer window, and we have the opportunity, and we have the overwhelming pile of evidence that things need to happen, and then things don't happen. So tell me right now, is it, is it the injury itself, or is it your anxiety over our reaction to it? Me? It's the anxiety of our react about our reaction to it. Of course, it's obviously both. We we obviously feel for Luis Diaz as an isolated you know incident, this injury. But it's it's our reaction because we already have a pending reaction, like you said, Grizz, to our midfield situation, and there's no guarantees that that's going to be addressed in January because, as we know, we we have a short list of two names for for each position. Um, I've grown incredibly frustrated. With, with how mm. the club is being run uh, behind the scenes. I, I'm immensely, immensely disappointed uh, with how the summer was handled. I am mm -hmm. immensely disappointed that we've lost two sporting directors in the space of 12 months. I am immensely disappointed that we've sacrificed this season. We've willingly gone into, into a transition phase this season when I think it's clear that the, the league is there to be had. And I'm, I'm opening this conversation up into a very broad uh, statement. Mm -hmm. and I apologize mm -hmm. for that. But I, I'm just so, so disappointed. And to answer your question, Grizz, I don't think we address our, our 
the, the winger situation in January. I think it's possible that a name like Moises Caicedo or the, the latest name during the round, Sofiane Amrabat, comes in. I, I think it's possible that a, a player of, of that ilk and that price tag comes in. But I think if if you're Klopp and Pep and this is how they think, they're thinking, okay, we get a we get a winger, we get Cody Gakpo and in January, for example. Um, then Diaz and Jota come back. And then all of a sudden we have too many players, uh, you know, in, in this one department. However, but they're considering players who are immensely injury prone as options. So we're, we're seeing this, this, uh, this festering disease that was at one time only isolated to the midfield of Liverpool. It's now become a problem in the front three as well. Simon Brundish uh, on Twitter uh, yesterday, Jota, Diaz, and Darwin have already missed more games for Liverpool than Bobby, Mane, and Mo. How fucking dire is, is mm. that? That is so, so shit. And and I know for largely Mane and Mo, these are physical freaks. These are the I was gonna say athletes. these these are anomalies. I, I get that th- these guys are outliers just in terms of availability, but. Obviously, Jota Diaz and Darwin, as a th- eventually they were going to hit this milestone of missing more games than the than the old school front three. But already, so quickly, already yeah. we're here. Already, I'm I'm immensely disappointed um, with uh, with the injury, and I'm immensely anxious about our lack of reaction to it. Uh, I think I I think uh, sorry sorry Keith very quickly. I think my question has has, has really opened up a. a can of worms and I knew it would be this would be the core conversation I I knew this would get the emotional outrage from everyone and different outrage of emotion as well at that but before we continue I must uh, request beg call it what you want for likes Uh, it helps the algorithms it helps the channel be spread amongst everyone else people like listening to us obviously we're trying our best for you it's freezing cold outside World Cup's happening, yet we're putting content out for you. Hit that like button. That's all we ask for. And we will be very, very chuffed to bits. Keith, for me, Evan has spoken everything that I wanted to say as usual, articulated it far better than I could. So well. What are you saying, so man? Well. It's so yeah, well. it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Where are we at? What are we doing? I mean, I, I think we will bring in a central midfielder. I know Evan's saying, but Evan's only going by the track record and, and the evidence that we have in front of us. I'm going on a little bit of dinner lady telling me bits and bobs. You know, it's a bit different, but I believe we're going to bring in a midfielder. But I believe this issue, the Diaz issue, I don't know what this does to the situation, guys. I think it's, um, we're already short in our forward position. We are. And we will. So, so it's again, the, the anxiety that I share with Evan is being told that we've got too many players in that position. Oh, but then when Jota and Diaz do come back, then what happens? What happens is, is that we have a squad capable of being able to be rotated as much as possible because ultimately, Diogo Jota's injury sounds like it's not going to be something that he's just going to magically come back from in the second half of the season and it's going to take him some time to get back into games. Luis Diaz's injury now looks like he's going to need surgery, which means he's not going to come back until March, which is going to take him a while to get back. Coupled with the fact that we only have one one centre forward, we only really have one player that plays in 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 in, in most Salah's situation. 
we're moving Darwin. We're consistently pushing Darwin Nunes out to the left to play a completely different role, which we didn't buy him for. And we have no real cover anyway for the right-hand side of Mo Salad's side because I don't feel like Elliot and Carvalho are truly an, a, 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 like forward, like forwards in the same way that Diaz, Jota and Nunes are. So we're short in those positions, but we're being told something different. So actually, the biggest anxiety I have is that that's going to be the answer to this. It's going to be like, nope, we're going to wait for them. We're going to yeah. play Darwin Nunes on the left. We're going to play Firmino through the middle. We're going to play Salah on the right. And at times, we're going to play Carvalho, who I don't think provides us with a necessarily attacking threat from the left-hand side because he's, a, he's, he's an attacking midfielder more than an actual winger slash left forward. And we're going to play, put position Harvey Elliott in those situations where, again, I don't think he plays in that position. So... Yeah, we're going to do what we always do, right? We're going to gamble. We're going to gamble. We're going to gamble. We're going to see how that gamble pays off. And we're going to throw away more seasons under Jurgen Klopp, just like we threw away the season when we had the centre-back injury crisis and completely threw that away after being Premier League champions the season before. Um, you know, we obviously, we pushed our team to the absolute limit last year. But again, that was a risk because ultimately we were pushing players that ultimately became injured anyway after the summer. And we're going to do it again. The, 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 the squad planning to be elite, an elite football team, it, it really truly baffles me because there's a style of play that Jurgen Klopp persists on having. It, so if you are going to persist on playing a style of football that increases injury rates, that breaks players down, you cannot do this with a thin squad. And, it's be, and, he, and the point has been proven over and over and over and over again. The sentimental side of things, I'm not buying the uh, accumulating of, of loads of players I'm not buying because it's these injuries are big injuries. They're injuries that players don't get over. You know, when Diogo Jota initially came back, he came back off a big layoff, right? He was at risk. What happened? We didn't have enough players playing in his position. So we started the minute he was back and fully fit and available, we pushed him to his limit and then we lost him for pretty much 12 months. That tells me everything that I need to know about the way that we're currently planning out what we're seeing versus what we're doing. We're playing massive risks. We're trying to save up here. We're trying to see if we can, you know, use the, young, the academy teams, which, like, the big talk about academy, our academy has been, we don't have the quality in our academy. I, I am a bit like, hmm, relying on your academy, Chelsea's football club, their academy won in FA Cups and Premier Leagues till kingdom come. And yeah. none of them really made it up to the next step. So, you can have a fantastic academy full of world-class players, but if they can't make that next step, we shouldn't be relying on them. Who are Liverpool trying to be in the next five years? Are we trying to be a top five club in world football or are we trying to be a team that just finishes fourth and plays Champions League football every year? The way we are planning our teams and planning our squads and rebuilds, I feel like it's the, it's the, it's the top four and we're comfortable in, our current, in, in this current structure. And... It's not good enough with the manager we have. Um, before you go, Conroy, I'm sure you've got plenty to say on that as well. Before I let you go, I must caveat. And I agree with you, Keith and Evan. I agree with you in the current structure, in the current ownership model, the current structure, the working model, everything that we've been accustomed to in the last, God knows how long we've been, like you know, last five years, whatever. I agree with you. But here's the X factor, not the Oxanabi X factor, but the new owner X factor. And the suggestion 
amongst reliable media outlets that insinuate FSG believe their working model has taken as far as they can, taken us as far as they can. And so therefore we await investment stroke new owners, I think more new owners. Does that affect anything then, Conroy? Because I agree with what they're saying, but the fact that we've been hearing this rumblings, and it's more than rumblings, we know near enough we are for sale. Does that change it? Because then surely we can't gamble. Then surely we have to, and this January will be absolutely telling if we are different, if we are operating on different levels now. Because I believe and I think we are, will be or are. Well, I think, um, I think, well, not to exaggerate it, um, but I'm going to. I think mm-hmm. it's crucial because what I would say, Grizz, is whatever way you want to flip it, um, let's say timing-wise, probably not going to happen in January anyway. Okay, so let's just assume that's the case. You're talking about an asset, which the club is. Now, we're against Real Madrid in the um, last 16 of the Champions League. So listen, we're going to support a team, but, but potentially could be out the Champions League by the time a sale goes through as well, which is going to lower the value, especially the way we started this season. So then you're looking at January as a rescue mission, of a certain extent, to get the players in, to get us top four. And I keep saying this, top four is crucial. It's massive. It took us a long time to get back in that position, to consistently do that, and it was not easy. And I think right now, with the way other teams are operating, it's going to be very difficult. So I feel like if if we're FSG right now, to make sure the best chance we've got to make sure our asset is still valued at the price or the price they roughly, you know, between, let's say, three billion, two and a half to three billion, for me, you, if you're looking at that logically, <laughs> you're hoping you're saying you're going to get the players need to get in. Um, I'm not. It doesn't need to be, you know, 150 million. But as you say, Grizz, it's not our money. We shouldn't look at it that way. However, you get the players you need to get the depth and and help in that squad for the injuries injuries we've had. So if I'm looking at that from FSG or or the club to ensure that it stays at the value uh, we currently view it at then to me, that's a no-brainer. Surely that's a no-brainer. Like, the sale's not going to happen, I think, before January. Right? I'm, I may be proved wrong, but I don't think it will. So straight away, as Evan mentioned, a winger and a midfielder, and probably another midfielder, should be must. Like, that should be a no-brainer because I think you might not get the money you want. If we, You're definitely not going to get the money if we're in the Europa League next year or the Europa Conference League. So I think you need to give it your best shot. And I just, I think, as Keith says, I think it's... I'm worried they're going to do it again. They're going to take a gamble. It's almost as if, oh, we've got a midfielder. And then someone said to you, oh, but you forgot about that. And be like, oh, well, I've only budgeted for the midfielder, so we just need to get that next year. And it's like, it's like, you know, it's it's um, it's just a bit, it's a, I say baffling. It's not really baffling because it's not surprising because we've seen it before. And I've got to say, I think Evan, articula- as he always does, articulated it really well because it's like, Injuries happen. Injuries actually don't annoy me as much as maybe other fans because it's part of the course. But it's, I think other teams, there is that, I wouldn't say like emergency funding, but there is like, what's it What's it called? Like con- contingency funding of if something goes wrong, this is what you use. It, but it just seems other teams are better accepting, you know what, this is, we're going to just have to spend this money at this point to get us through this season. But we, we are the opposite, you know, at times we've seen the centre-back, when we had the centre-back issues, we would take the chance and wait for Kanati in the summer, and you know, you can have your, your opinions on that, but it does feel that we will continually do that and not, and not um, 
what's the what's they say? We'll put a plaster over the cut, or you know, put a plaster over the cracks, paper over the cracks instead of just dealing with it. And I'm worried that's going to happen. And I've got to be honest, guys. I've, I've looked at some of the chat. The chat has always give some really good suggestions of who's available a winger you could get in or midfielders. And as much as we're not bargain basement hunting, I'm not saying that. But if you were on a certain amount of money, there is definitely still people you could get in who could do a job as well and actually like be helpful to this team. But my worry with Evan is Keith that we don't, um, especially a winger, because I think the way we play, if that plan A doesn't work or say Jota comes back in or Nunes at the left doesn't work in a game, I feel like you do need something off the bench to, to cause the, the a team who's maybe playing a low block to, to you know have to think about what they're doing, not be as predictable. So I think it's crucial, and we'll find out what happens. But yeah, I think um, with all the all the factors that are going on right now, the sale. You'd think it would just be the smart move to get some depth in in the January transfer window. I don't know if you guys agree with that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead, Chris. Sorry, no go. I was gonna say, I really quickly, I slightly, no one's explicitly said this, but I, I slightly disagree with the sentiment and the insinuation that we that we get these injuries and then Klopp turns to FSG, FSG go like this, and then Klopp says, "Fuck it, I'm on my own." I disagree with the sentiment of that. That's not what. That's not where the evidence points. I think, I think, Klopp and Co. These injuries happen, and then they're thinking, okay, this player's gonna. The medical team says they're coming back in January, and then from January we do this. They, they are the ones, in my opinion, a, a ma- heavy majority of the time that are not doing the most with the financial might. That 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 is Liverpool. We we have we have plethora of evidence with this from notable journalists over the summer that they, they said no to Mateus Nunez. They 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 said no to uh, certain other players. Like th- there was a lot of midfielders that could have been purchased this summer, but no, they they were thinking, you know, Curtis Jones does this, and then when Ox and Kate are fully fit, they're able to do this. It's it's misplaced faith. For for me, the discussion of our FSG making our mass revenue streams available to Klopp. I, I would say, yes, of course they are. That's a bit of an afterthought, the whole ownership discussion. Obviously, it factors into future transfers, especially those of the summer. But in terms of last summer and right now, I, I think I, I think it's, it's Klopp and co. that are standing in the way of the functionality of this team with their misplaced faith in players. Uh, like, I, I just don't believe for a second that uh, you know FSG would have said no to a twenty to thirty million stopgap esque midfield signing uh, in, in August. Like I, I just don't believe that to, to be true at all. So for me, to, to summarize this quick point, I think ownership in terms of spending money is a bit of an afterthought. I, I do think it's it's Klopp that's sort of in his own stubborn way standing in, in the way of of the the efficiency of our own rebuild. Um, I've been getting a lot of messages saying, whoa, whoa, we've just come online and seen that you've been online for an hour. Guys, this is why I say have your notification bells on. I did try to tell you guys we're on at eight o'clock tonight. I'm so sorry if you we've caught you off guard. People are rolling in now to the chat and saying, how the hell have we missed an hour? It was boring anyway. It was rubbish content. You didn't miss much. We were just waffling on. Now we're getting into the the meat, the meat of it. But smash up the likes. As, <clears throat> as, as Monda says and Sean says, 
um, the ratio doesn't make sense. I'm going to read out a super chat, a couple of super chats, and I'm going to ask you guys very quickly. I want you to, what's more urgent now? Because we've got two of our most potent attackers out, out for a minimum of two to three months. Okay, and we've got Ox and Naby returning to strengthen our midfield depth. Okay. I'm sorry, but I'm going to give you facts. These are the facts. Whether you like them or you don't, that's, that's your goddamn fault, right? Facts are, two midfielders are returning. Add to our midfield depth. Two of our most potent attackers are now out for two months. I'm here to ask the hard questions. I'm here to ask the hard questions. What are you doing? You can only buy one position. For me, I'm going to couple of read the super chats while you guys think. Okay, LFCR796 is coming with um with a three super chat thread. So I'm gonna read all these out together. I think he's angry. He says, I mean fans like myself have been saying the same things over the years, but I've been told to go and support City. The sooner the FSG leave, the better. Around the corner, my friend. The club lacks ambition from top to bottom. We need ambitious owners to come in and set the standards. Not top four standard like FSG. Klopp should fix up. He wants everyone to fix up. As I said, I'm gonna read all these ones out in one go. Evan Klopp literally said he would like to take more risks. Look at his most recent interview about new investment. He was candid about his restrictions. Um, and He's also been extremely candid about his the, the restrictions he places on himself when he goes into the transfer market. We have an overwhelming weight of evidence about Klopp's stubbornness, Klopp's uh, sort of conservative approach to transfers and how everything has to align perfectly and how the shortlist is very small. We have years and years and years of those quotes compared to the one quote that you've just brought up. So I know where I stand. Um, okay, I'm going to go to Evan last because he's been distracted with some side questions. Keith, I've given you plenty of time to think. It's the same answer I've been given since, Grizz, you wow. so wonderfully... Still? Put this all together. How long has it been now, Chris? How long? How long? How long? We've been a year, give or take a month. Yeah, give or take a month. Yeah, we've been doing this right. Number one position is the midfield, and the midfield only for me is the number even one. Even this January, Keith. Yeah, even you've January, got two returning midfielders, Listen, two potent you have, attackers. You have some midfielders right now. Maybe not all. Maybe I don't rate as many, some of them. Others people say they don't rate my options over others. But there are a group, a collective of midfield options that are available right now that will not be available soon. Yeah, there are clubs where they reach the limit of their ambitions, and Liverpool can take them to that next level, and they are available. But they are available now, and they will not be available shortly because there are too many top clubs that are desperate. For midfield reinforcements, they need re midfield reinforcement. Chelsea need mid midfield reinforcement. Manchester United need midfield uh, reinforcements. Even you could ask, even if you could argue that Manchester City would Manchester be interested in, 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 in midfield reinforcements. Real Madrid are currently in the phase of, of, of phase two or three or whatever you want to call it in terms of the new midfield way. Barcelona won't play De Jong to save his life because even they're interested in, 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 in making midfield reinforcements. There are so many clubs that are looking for midfielders and there is a pool of midfielders available right now that will not be available if Liverpool do not act. And I would argue that January, January is just as important as, as the summer. So for me, Ooh. the midfield is the number one position. 
forwards, attackers, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I hate it. I hate Darwin Nunes playing in the left forward position. I hate this it. What I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Can't stand it. But you know what? At the end of the day, we can still put a front three out there at this moment in time. Can we categorically say that the midfield options we have available are going to inspire us to take us to the next level as it currently stands? No. Keith's adamant, unanimous. I tried to put in a few caveats in there by saying, look, no, no Diaz, no Jota. You're relying on Bobby, right? Bobby unreliable. Mm-hmm. You're relying on Nunes on the left. Any little injury with his hamstrings, the way he plays. And of course, Mo Salah. That's all you've got. Up against now, you've got six options in midfield. I don't know, guys. I don't know. I, I'm not saying one or the other, Conroy. You know, I've, I've got to Evan. be honest. I think, I think it shouldn't. It should be two. I think we've made that make that very clear that it should be a, a winger or a forward attacker with a midfielder. But I've actually got to agree with Keith. Um, I feel like uh, the point about you know in the summer as well is a, a, a nice caveat as well to Keith. I think that's a really really good point, but. In general, there's been quite a lot of performances, and we've discussed it, where the midfield's just been outran, um, overloaded at points, but at times just felt like a press was all over the place. And I felt like, you know, the chap said, we need legs there. We need more than that, obviously. But I think our midfield had so many issues at times that I think a midfielder first and roll the dice with, um, you know, wait for Jota, along with, obviously, Nunes, Firmino and uh, Salah. But that's that shouldn't happen. I'm making that clear that I don't I don't accept that at all. But I think the midfield is is um, with the one I would choose. And this is if we had to, Chris. This is hypothetically you're saying that. But for me, um, yeah, I agree. The midfield. I think we just roll the dice um, with the attack and get the midfielder in. And are you going to make it three out of three, Mr. Evan? Well, actually, why am I not counting myself? Two out of four so far. <laughs> There, there are no wrong answers to this question. If somebody, <laughs> if it's it, the politician amongst us, no, 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 no. I, I, I will give you, I will give you an answer. Yes. But there are no wrong answers. If you said we need a winger in January, you are one hundred percent correct. And if you said you, and if you said we needed midfielders in January, uh, you would be one hundred percent correct. Um, <laughs> that being said, I, I think it is so. The, the midfield situation is so fucked, both in 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 the present and in the future, that. I think I would take two midfielders before I took a midfielder. Oh, I'm playing to our strengths here. I'm trying to play to our strengths. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, we have Mohamed Salah, whose uh, sheer output of numbers, even when nobody else is producing, is enough to sustain a charge in some direction, right? The midfield in general is what is losing us games. Uh, the, 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 our neglect of our midfield situation during the past two summers is what has led to our current situation in, in the midfield. We have a let, we have allowed this, this issue to fester. We, we have allowed the, uh, the, the over reliance on options that cannot literally be described as options to fester. And as a result, I would say a cons- this is my conservative estimate the midfield is about 200 million pounds away from where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, may, maybe it's super shallow and pedantic to reduce footballing issues to, to numbers. But at the end of the day, this is a numbers game, both on and off the pitch. So I'd say we're about 200 million pounds light worth of talent in the midfield. 
And you know why we're 200 million pounds as well? Why that figure? Again, yeah, we don't want to speak of footballers like cattle, but when you're talking about this level of investment is because of the bidding wars that are going to begin with these players. Absolutely. Like, like yeah, real, 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 realistically, Moises Caicedo, based on his, his profile and his, and his ceiling, he's about a 40, 50 million pound player. We throw 40 million on the table. Chelsea comes in, they throw 50 million on the table. This is, this is how it works. And like, like you said, every, every team needs midfield reinforcements right now. And in my opinion, it's even lighter in the winger market right now. Like just in terms of, like there are, there are no good deals in the winger market right now, in my opinion, that would actually improve us. So I, I think you, you need to start laying the groundwork uh, for the, for the midfield rebuild in January. But then again, like I said, like 20 minutes ago, we've been here before arriving at transfer windows, looking at a position and thinking, surely, surely we do something. So, And then be- my favorite line, don't call me surely. Um, yo, what's, <laughs> yo, 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 what's good, says um, um, my friend, yo, what's good? Morocco's good. Yeah, Morocco's good. That's it, really. Um, how long until Ox and Nabi get injured again. That's the real question. Rather put Ox left wing and get a, go get a midfielder. Primarily a DM in Jan, which is perfectly segued into if we've unanimously said that we need to get a midfielder. I want to bring your guys' attention and opinions to this fella. Uh, a fella I follow on Twitter called Grizz Khan. Uh, Heard good things. Uh, said Morocco's and Fiorentina's combative midfielder and one of the stars of the World Cup so far, Sofian Amrabat, has indicated he wants to join Liverpool. Liverpool are interested along with Spurs. Uh, his current club are looking to double his salary to thirty around 30k a week to keep him. He's currently on about £15,000 a week. For me, I'll just very quickly get my opinion out of the way. Um, I agree with Grizz Khan. I do believe Liverpool have a strong interest in him. I do believe we've spoken to his agent and I do believe we are his first choice, but he's not our first choice. I wanted to get your thoughts on this player, whichever order you want, uh, while I'm trying to find something else. So, Keith, Sofian Amrabat, uh, thoughts on the player? Does he fit our style? Remember what he does for his national team? Remember what he's does for his club team and remember mm. how we operate all of these things into give me an assessment I think Sofia Af- Amrabat he's uh, he reminds you of that kind of almost like old school um, Musa Dembele type of, of, of midfielder in terms of very good with the ball very you know you know in in knows how to protect his uh, centre-backs and really just, you know, the, the work rate he has is just insane. And when he, and he's able to get himself out of tight situations. My reservation with any player that um, has been relatively m- m- mute, if you will, in club football and has a good international tournament um, is the... Uh, the I, I'm a big believer that there is a big difference between tournament football and club football, right? And 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 performances in a in a run of you know five to ten games in the tournament where you can just get on a good run and and, and go for it, and having to do it week in week out in, in 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 Premier League, different league as well. You know, there's nothing for me to suggest that he's done anything that's like like lit the world up since 
before the World Cup. So I'm, I would personally believe there are other options out there that we, you know, again, like Sofian Amrabat for me comes across as someone who you would sign if you're in a situation where you are either trying to get back into the top four and the kind of players that we used to sign when we were trying to say, right, cool, we picked this guy up for, for, for quite a good value of money and, and we're going to turn him into the next big thing kind of vibe. For me, that's not the type. That's not what we should be signing, in my personal opinion. Maybe as a as a, as an option, maybe as a second or third choice option in this kind of rebuild. But our focus, in my opinion, should one hundred percent be on the you know the the game changer. And Sofian Amrabat to me sounds like he could be the other or, or the third midfield signing to, to to be. But I wouldn't put my eggs into the basket to say that this is going to be. The, the the star signing that 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 that's going to change things. I think he's had a great tournament, but mm. I think there's a difference between a tournament performance in the World Cup, and we've been stung in tournaments, guys. Before, let's no, never forget El Hadjouf, right? So we've had situations before where we picked up players who've had a great World Cup and haven't translated into club form. I have my reservations, but I'm more than happy to see a signing like him come to the club if it's if it's the second or third guy in a list where there's a guy that is of the level of a Virgil or an Allison type signing. So that's my two cents on that one. Um, two cents turned into about 10 cents there. But you explained <laughs> it very well. No, no, no. It needed it. It needed it because I know where you was trying to come from. But would it change your mind if I said to you that game changer which you're suggesting, and I agree with you, is not uh, available in January. I know we don't like that term and we don't like to hear that. But a certain uh, English dynamic 19-year-old future captain, number eight, is not available in January. So if we bank that and then say this is the other option, in fact, I'm not even going to come to you. I'm going to let Conroy Evan answer that for you. Then would this make sense in that aspect then? Because if we're spunking 100 million, 110 million on that, on that, on him, and then we're going for, because um, we, we all admit the minimum of two young legs are uh, required. Does that make sense to you then, Conroy? Or are you still thinking, even in that second category, he's probably second or third choice for you? The, the thing is, for me, Grizz, it's more about, if you watch these post-match interviews and stuff, he's, 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 I think he's, he's actually been unbelievable that he's still playing. That I think he's absolutely patched up now. I think he's been on injections the past two games, was it? So, like, as a, as a story and, and performance, that's, like, unbelievable. But I feel like for what we need right now, I don't know if that's because of that. He's going to come at his team and he's going to already have, I'm not saying it's going to be long-term injury issues, but he's, he's going to need time to recover from whatever he's doing now because this is a, a once-in-a-lifetime moment for his national team. So he's going to give it everything. Who Good wouldn't? Points. Good points. But when it comes to us, that is, this is league. This is signing a player to help us right now. And I just feel like, do you know what? I actually like this guy. Um, I was a bit, you know, apprehensive. As Keith says, I feel like there's far too many World Cup signings that don't work out than ones that do, to be perfectly honest. I mean, we talk about James Rodriguez, done reasonably okay, but never really hit the heights to be the next world beater that people thought he was when he, he started for Colombia. I do like this guy, but personally, I, it's not going to happen. But maybe in the summer, you look at him, if, he, if he's injury or he's... he's He's okay, he's doing well then. But right now, I feel like if, if I was playing for Scotland in a game, I was going to give it everything. I could genuinely, like, I've done something to my leg that I could be out for three months after it. But he, he, 
right now that's his focus and I just feel like even if we need to go for that that stopgap signing or, or someone who's not going to start after the end of the season, I just, with that in the back of my mind, I'd probably avoid him. I have been impressed, don't get me wrong, but I just, if you watch that interview after the game, I think he's he's been on like several injections to get through it. So he's already patched up and I think in the chat said running on fumes. He's so like that- me. He Basically, he's like me before I go seven aside with my mates after nine years that I have. The other week, like oh no, I you're quite take, good. I saw, I saw the dummy. I guys. had to, I to no, no, no. But I mean, in terms of like really drugging myself up and taking yeah. every painkiller and anti-inflammatory like that's available legally, yeah. I must add. But yeah. but you make some very good points, and I agree with you in some of them. But Evan, without going into the alternatives, because I believe I have asked you to compile a list, and we will be doing a special show in terms of the alternatives. So without going into the alternatives, just this interest per se, because this is topical for the week. Your thoughts on the situation and the player? Uh, I, I think it, it's it's worth noting that the player wouldn't be coming to Liverpool 100% fresh. You know, he's he's running his legs off for Morocco right now, playing through pain, playing through uh, injections. So if you're looking to get somebody at the peak of their physical condition that can make a difference right now, he he is a bit of a risk, but then again, none of us are medical professionals, and an injection is probably more common than than we than we realize. Um, you know, the, the he's obviously you know getting his spotlight moment now at, at the World Cup. It's the biggest stage. This is uh, a few people's first time hearing about him, or a few people's first time realizing that he is not, in fact, his older brother Nordin Amrabat, who had a spell with Watford. It's probably where we're all most familiar with the name. Um, He's quietly been having a really impressive uh, couple of seasons in Italy. Um, this is not the first time he's he's popped up in some of the scatter plots and the the uh, the the data compilations that I've uh, compiled. He's he's always a leader just in terms of the rough and tumble uh, stats you would associate with midfielders. Um, really, really well up there. Um, not too far off uh, Locatelli's uh, contribution in Serie A that is statistically kind of uh, similar, similar players. Um, uh, I personally think he, he would represent some, some good value for money. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously the uh, forget the transfer fee for a second. Cause obviously the transfer fee is going to be inflated coming off of a, a world cup run. Um, but you know, the, the, the current wages, I mean, his current club are looking to double his salary to around 30, 30 K. So that implies he's making about 15. Um, how much more does Naby Keita make than that? How much more does Oxley chamberlain make than that? Not to circle back to them, but there, there is room uh, to use the American term. There is some cap space for, for this guy just in terms of wages. So we would obviously have to, you know, offer him a respectable amount. But in terms of, you know, a guy who could come in and make a difference right now, I've certainly liked what I've seen from him. Uh, but he's just in terms of pre-World Cup, he's only been someone I've known as a, statistically significant guy in terms of Serie A metrics. Just a very quick one, guys. You've been watching us probably the best part of a year, and I'm really disappointed in some of your uh, name pronunciations of my fellow colleagues. Uh, it's Conroy, not Conrad. Um, I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping, I'm hoping that's a typo. I'm hoping it's kind that's of the same thing. I would just yeah. I'm hoping and yeah. and and that is Keith. I can't I can't find it. That's Keith, not Chris. I mean, and, and that's <laughs> definitely amazing because he's been saying another great point by Chris. And it's even Chris and Conrad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Alter egos. 
our very own blue chip is in the building. Says, give me hey. DR type type signing this where was the Amrabat talk before the World Cup how I did Salif Diaw work out at Liverpool Avi? I think riddle, me, I riddle think, me that but I think Avi is coming from a, a point of biasness because then he gives it away because you know Avi you can't control him <laughs> I've always big on Yunus Musa who oh is a USA player you know but, but but it is what it is I'm not saying that there's nothing wrong with him Yunus Musa is definitely a great great young prospect a couple of super chats before we go into uh, some news about the ownership as well we'll kind of round it off unless there's something else you guys want to add Philip H says Liverpool are in trouble Newcastle fan shout out to Philip H who's considerate enough to talk about and think about us as well only three attackers with this fixture congestion they'll all be exhausted don't see LFC getting top four without at least two new two uh, two players Interesting. Zotter Steven says, agree, we need midfield, but don't forget the second half of the season, Mane was the one who carried us every second half of the season. I guess we're going to have to look to others now to carry us, my friend. But you make a great point. We go again, Messi says, with what we have. Klopp needs j- jail. Okay. Jail. Um, time in jail. Lots of time. And That's, that's two clocks and an hourglass. Okay. <laughs> and Conroy has this saved for some reason. Um, I don't know why Conroy has this. You play with Scotland with one leg, and then I thought, do you know what credit where credit's due? That was quite a good joke, so fair play. Is he wrong though, Conroy? Well, not right now because we've got some of the most uh, uh, fullbacks, you know, right now for fullbacks, there's something in the water, and uh, Grez is in love with Ben Doak, so he's Scottish as well. Not only Ben Doak, I think I'm in love with, I'm absolutely in love with Calvin Ramsey. I know we've we've gone past Mm. that chat, guys. But you know how convinced I am of, of, of this guy that he's going to be a success. I don't care what anyone says. He's going to be a success. I love this guy. I'm just talking while I find the other bit of... Could I just mm-hmm. say one thing uh, to ask? See, realistically, guys, it's not going to be a big show, but we, we spoke about obviously getting another attacker in if it does happen. Just quickly, who would, who would you think would be a realistic signing in January? Keith and Evan. <laughs> I don't really see any realistic signings. Though there is one guy. Well, if there you is... don't see it, and we're fans, and we can choose and pick anything we want, how are we expecting FSG and, and, the, and the analysis team not to think that there's anyone available? Like we can fantasize. No, but that's why for me, midfield over everything. I'll just go back to that initial point, which I chose was midfield over everything. And and you know, you make a great point there, Grizz. But there is one man who has still not signed a contract extension. <laughs> There is one man. Great, 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 Chris. Chris. <laughs> it's changed from Chris to Chris. Oh, I love this. I'm sure someone else has been calling me Kevin as well. Yeah, Kevin. There's another yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Someone's been Kevin. calling you Kevin as well. Yeah. It's like my English teacher all over again. That's all she used to call me, Kevin. I used to see her Kevin. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, so who was it, Keith? Who was the the, the, the player? Boyakasaka. Oh, get out of here. I'm moving on swiftly before you get uh, like cancelled all over. Send you back to Twitter. Send you back to Twitter spaces. I'm going to have to send him back to uh, Twitter spaces. I'm just saying he hasn't signed the contract. Oh, get out of here. For fuck's sake. Anyway, just when we're having a tremendous, realistic, brilliant show, you know, we have to do some clickbait. Um, But I guess one one of the talking points is about the ownership and look, in terms of the structure, in terms of what we can afford, in terms of will we go that extra mile? Have we got the money to go the extra mile? Everything. 
Um, I believe that, um, I don't know if um, Evan will know about this company. So 8th of November, I, I came to, <coughs> I came to know of interest from a um, sports franchise, HBSE, owned by Americans Josh Harish and David Blitzer, are one of many interested parties prepared to make a bid for LFC, I understand. They were in for Chelsea earlier that year, as well, this year as well. Uh, I think it was Friday I got the news that they've actually made a bid for Liverpool. Uh, and that's it. That's all I know. Whether it was accepted or whether it's gone further, I have no idea. If I do, I will tweet it out or we will do a show. Um, so... Any insight into these guys, Evan? Um, okay, cool. I thought I was muted. I'm not muted. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, people have obviously done a quick Google search on these guys, and they've noticed that their collective net worth is, uh, is, is not that much. Here's the thing. You're, you're looking just real quick. I just want to point it out. I don't really have a concrete opinion. Uh, you're you're looking at the the net worth of them as individuals, whereas the actual liquid portfolio of capital that they're um, able to invest as they please and move around as they please is uh, closer to a hundred billion, um, something like that. It's it's ten times what they're worth as individuals. So keep in mind, it, it, it's not about their personal uh, uh, wealth. Uh, HBC is is a is a venture is a vc company it's a it's it's not just them and their and their personal drawstrings just just important just like because obviously if you go and like google john henry it'll say his net worth is four billion but he's in charge of much more than four billion dollars is is my point that that's all i'm gonna say uh on on these guys just uh just just remember that it's it's never just their individual net worth as human beings Evan, I have a question for you in terms of the uh, the mentality of, of American owners and sports in general, specifically those that are in the US. Now, you've obviously you've got two sides of the coin. Uh, Glazers almost leveraged debt on United uh, uh, to, to, to invest almost. Our club, we don't they you know, we don't really use our own money. What is the our use our own money in the same way maybe the Middle East owners do? What is the general consensus with American owners in general when they own basketball clubs, NFL clubs? You know, are they the type that you know, are there owners out there that would pile in their own money, regardless, or do they like to work in this kind of within these models? Is it just a thing? Like, what, what, what I would, would you say, say? Hold on, fuck off for a second. <laughs> um, I would say uh, no animals were it, harmed it, in the <laughs> in the filming of this. No, she's, she's great. She's She's great. She's great. And, yeah. and chat real quick. I'm not saying I'm not saying I like these guys. I'm just I'm just pointing out a key confusion that I've noticed. I'm not, I'm not saying that I like the, Evans chatting shit. Come down. I don't I'm not I'm not saying I like these guys. I'm not saying I want them to own Liverpool. So calm ignore, down. Ignore, ignore. Um, um, the difference about American sports and American owners is that generally speaking, American sports teams are a much more sound investment than a European football club. The, the Washington Commanders, Keith, are going to sell. They're, they're going to sell in the next 12 months for much more than Liverpool Football Club. Have you ever heard of the Washington Commanders? Do you do? You, no, exactly. No, no, no it's, just, it's just such a yeah, lucrative, safe investment. On top of that, there's strict financial rules, such as salary caps. So, mm. and so you can spend the money you get from these ultra-lucrative American TV deals. And if it doesn't work out, it, it, it's totally chill. Like the the 
the correlation between money spent in the NFL on like wages and the correlation between that and actual like success and like winning a Super Bowl and getting a winning record of the league, it's basically non-existent. Whereas, whereas in, whereas in our sport, Liverpool are an outlier in the sense that we haven't spent as much as PSG or as much as city, but we've been competitive. So it's, it's strange that American owners would want to get involved in a game where there are essentially no financial restrictions. You know what I mean? Like in, in America, if you're the worst team in the league, there's no relegation. You just go again. You just get a ton of money. You get a high draft pick. You get Kylian Mbappe at 18 years old. And then you go again because you get a nice draft pick. So the fact that they would want to come into a game where 15-year-olds are being sold to Real Madrid for 70 million pounds from Brazil, like it, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I wonder how they would do it. Because the capital that they're going up against in an entirely like unregulated like arena, it just it just doesn't bode well. So mm. I, I get what the chat is saying about like not wanting American owners. If they don't want them just because they're American, I, I you know, obviously I refute that. But if you're like me and you question just how much they could compete in a completely mm. unregulated arena, coming from their arena where it's all very regulated. And, you know, there's salary caps and there's rules and the league can veto trades and things like that. It, it's it's a genuine question. I think if we're trying to compete with, you know, City and PSG and the, the countries that that back them in Newcastle now, I, I, I think it's hard to it's hard to see an American trying to come in and and play it like they do back home. But obviously, they're, they're smart guys. They know they would have to come up with an entirely different model and entirely different pockets to, to come in and, and take over. Thank you very much for that, both of you. Um, very quickly, just to add <clears throat> the latest that I think I know, or I, I've been told, just to add on to this, <clears throat> the last uh, information that I received, whether you choose to believe it or not, that's up to you, as always, disclaimer. There are three genuine groups at the table, so to speak, with another two hovering, but not one group has been given exclusivity. So don't panic or don't be happy either way. Um, not one group has been given exclusivity as of yet. That only takes place for prospective buyers, not for those just buying a stake in the club, as you well know, pal. The person was talking to me. Stay safe and in touch. I will stay safe. I will stay in touch. And you too, pal. Um, so that's where we're at, basically. Um, I think we best call it a day. Uh, it's been a tremendous show. Uh, football's back. Redfellas are back. We had a few breaks with the World Cup, talking about World Cup and amazing drafts. I was going to say nonsense drafts and Evan was going to block me. <clears throat> but amazing drafts. But now the football's back. Now the Redfellas are back. We are all back. People, don't forget our sponsors. Check out that banner. It says, check out your futcard.com and use code REDFELLAS for 15% discount off all your FIFA cards, your banners, your, your flags, anything of that ilk and sort. They are a fantastic company. They are helping us help you create content. We appreciate your love. We appreciate your support. It's goodbye from Evan. It's goodbye from Conrad. It's goodbye from Chris, Kevin, call him what you want. I can't give up. <clears throat> we have been the Redfellas. Like, subscribe, all of that business. We out of
Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.